0: One of my heroes of the faith is a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor who grew up in the early part of the 20th century and he became a pastor in the years immediately preceding the breakout of World War I. In fact, before that, the rise of National Socialism, the Nazi Party in Germany. Bonhoeffer saw from the very start that this movement that started out being uh, immensely popular and well-received was in fact a very evil movement, an evil organisation led by an evil dictator. And from the very start he spoke out uh, publicly and boldly and courageously against it. He became over time a leading voice within Germany, speaking out against the Nazi regime. He also spent significant time through his connections speaking out uh, to people in other countries and warning them about um, what was happening in Germany. Um, this obviously led to significant risk for Bonhoeffer. He was putting himself on the line. In 1939, just uh, in the months before World War II broke out, Bonhoeffer had an opportunity to go to America to study there and to, or to teach there at uh, Union Theological Seminary in New York. And from America... He was in a position where he could continue to speak publicly against the Nazi regime, but from the security and safety of a position where he was no longer at risk. And his friends advised him as he wrestled with, should I, having got out of Germany, should I now go back to Germany? Uh, His friends advised him strongly he should not go back. He should remain safe in America. They said, you can continue to do your stuff, but you'll be safe. And this was uh, Bonhoeffer's comment um, about that choice he made, he had to make. He said this, I've come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. Bonhoeffer returned knowing that to go back there and to continue to speak publicly and vocally and stand against the Nazi party and that regime was a great risk. He continued to do that, 1943 Bonhoeffer was arrested. He spent the next 18 months in a prison cell in Tegel Prison, Berlin. uh, Before he was moved and spent time in two different concentration camps, the Buchenwald and Flossenburg concentration camps. On Sunday the 4th, while he was in those camps, he continued to work very actively, uh, smuggling letters out to people, and smuggling out communication through sympathetic guards and ministering to the other prisoners. On Sunday the 4th of April, 1945, having just led a Sunday service for the prisoners, Bonhoeffer was led away, given a short trial And on dawn the next morning he was executed, two weeks before the the concentration camp where he was based was liberated by American soldiers. Bonhoeffer's story is a very powerful challenge to us about what it means to live as a Christian, what price we're willing to pay to serve the Lord. I think about it myself as a Christian leader entrusted with leading a church and I ask myself the question, if I had been in his position, would have I had the courage to actually speak when I knew the risk that came with that? I guess we could all ask ourselves that question. If push came to shove and we were placed in a situation where taking a stand came with a risk, would we have the courage and the strength, strength of faith and the convictions about the gospel to say I need to take a stand for the cause of Christ because my faith compels me to do so. This morning I'm talking about the nature of Christian leadership. The message that I came up with was was going to be titled um, The Radical Call on the Lives of Christian Leaders, but I've ended up changing that title um, to this. Suffer, Serve, Struggle. The Radical Call of Christian Leadership. Brackets. Or the normal Christian life. And essentially, what I'm what I'm looking at is that while uh, to come into a relationship with Jesus is to, to know the beauty and the wonder, if we talk about the gospel, there'll be words like hope and love and acceptance and joy and peace and all of these rich, beautiful things that we have through Christ. And yet there's also words that are part of the journey which to truly follow Jesus are just something that we need to step towards, which is words like suffering, service, struggle. And this is particularly true for those who wish to take roles of leadership in the church. Jesus said, though, to all people, if anyone wants to come after me, they need to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Uh, so, let's look at that now. Um, let's look at a couple of these key verses from this passage. Uh, chapter 1, verse 24, says this. Oh, I've got to read the whole passage, I haven't done that yet. Let me do that first. So, here we go. Chapter 1, verse 24 verse through to 2, verse 5. The Apostle Paul um, uh, breaks from sharing the gospel and before he starts instructing the people in how to respond to the gospel, he actually shares very much about his own story and he says this Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the church I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and for generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, and for those at Laodicea and for all I have not met personally my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and power of wisdom and knowledge i tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So we see repeated through this passage, this idea about struggling, contending, suffering, serving. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Um, I've become its servant. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. And uh, these these, pas- these verses come right through. By the way, can we flick off the, the fluoros? because one of them's flickering? And um, there we go. Beautiful. Um, so the question to start with: Why would Paul choose hardship? Or why would anyone choose hardship? Maybe it's not a fluorite. Anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, and it's interesting because I was preparing this message about choosing because this is all about choosing to to suffer this isn't about the sort of suffering where it sort of comes upon you this is actually about contending and walking towards something it's actually about taking that step towards it's the decision to choose to suffer for a cause and and the question is well someone who is not a christian was asked why would you do that why would you choose to serve why would you choose to suffer why would you choose to contend and struggle and while i was thinking about that and preparing this week i came across this news article uh, on my Google Google News. And it said this, I don't know if you can read the small writing, it says this, how I fell in love with the discomfort of running. Uh, and it says this, runners are making a choice to suffer, to feel hardship, to sweat and ache and get uncomfortable. So then why do we do it? Now, I think we all know why runners you know go to all that trouble running. Because they're crazy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they run because of fitness. They run because they set goals. And, uh, and my, my wife just recently did a 36K trail run. And a huge thing, to set a goal and go after that and fulfill that goal is a great achievement. And, uh, and we do it for fitness. You know, I've just joined a gym. And um, uh, you've really got a choice in life. You can either work towards having a buff body or a buffet body, okay? (laughs) And uh, so, you know, you've got choices in life and uh, it's the same about choosing hardship. Most people who are not Christians would imagine that Christians serve or choose to contend or choose to even experience suffering because they are wanting to do the right thing in the hope that God will accept them and they'll get to to heaven because they've done lots of good things. That's pretty widely accepted message out there. But that's not the gospel, not at all. The gospel that has been revealed to us in the early parts of Colossians says that the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people, that He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, um, brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It says that once we were alienated from God because of our sin, but now he has reconciled us through Jesus' death to present us holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So Paul is not doing all this stuff in the hope that desperately God will accept him or, or that his sin will be sort of looked over because his good deeds has outweigh, outweighed his bad deeds. No, he is doing this because the gospel is so good and so wonderful and he knows he's loved and he knows he's accepted that he just wants to actually serve this Jesus so that others might come to know him. And that is why he's willing to actually go through hardship. That is why he is willing to suffer. So let's look at these three uh, three words just a little bit and I'll do it pretty briefly, briefly than I did at nine o'clock because I uh, ran out of time there. But you know, he starts off by saying in verse 24, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering. And it's not really a natural reaction to suffering, to rejoice. Suffering's hard and suffering's horrible, but suffering takes many different forms. The suffering that Paul is talking about here is a suffering for his faith and it's a suffering that in fact he has stepped towards. He's, he's, in a way, he's chosen it. But still Paul could actually be bitter in response to that. He could be like, hey, I'm serving the Lord, I'm standing for the gospel, and now I'm I'm in prison. Like following Jesus has led me not to be protected, not to be released from prison. You know, They they all know the story about Peter and John, and they're in the prison and they were worshipping and the the doors open and and they went out. Paul might go, well, I've been worshipping in prison. The doors haven't opened for me and be bitter about it but that's not his heart his heart is i rejoice in what i'm suffering and i wonder about um, if if maybe the thing that's enabled paul to do this is firstly a very clear sense of purpose but also that he's changed the questions that he asks in suffering because the question that mostly you ask in suffering is the question why why is this happening why me why now And I understand that question and uh, if I'm sitting with someone who's suffering and they ask me that question and that has certainly happened to me, I don't roll out a neat, you know, oh, here's why and give them a neat sort of theological answer because actually in that situation what people need is comfort, friendship, love and practical care. But because I love you guys, I want to talk about the fact that there's actually better questions you can ask in suffering. Some of the better questions are these. How? How can I bring glory to God through this time of suffering? How can I bring glory to God through this time of suffering? Who? Who could I be a blessing to because of what I've been through or am going through? Particularly as you come through something. Who can I be a blessing to out of what I have experienced? And and what? What is God wanting to teach me through this season? Now, the why question is always going to be there. But actually, if we're able to ask these deeper questions, then I sense that Paul's response is a, is a response to living out of uh, thinking through questions like those. Suffering and joy are, are tricky things. Um, life is really, really tricky. That sometimes we talk about like life, you have your mountaintop times and you have your valley times, like mountaintop times when everything is joyful and wonderful, and your valley times when maybe there's a season of suffering and difficulty. And certainly that's true in life. But another way of looking at suffering and joy is that life is like train tracks, that as we go through the whole of the journey of life, there's actually suffering and joy often side by side and together at the same time. And so yes, there might be a season where it's more through a valley, And there might be a season that's more on the mountaintop, but even on the mountaintop, there's struggle. And even in the valley, there's light. And part of the human experience as followers of Jesus is to be able to know that there's always some hope and some joy even in the dark times. And actually know that uh, really even then when there's people who look like they're going through the easy times, they've actually probably got some struggle as well in their life. We can care for them in that. Suffering and joy side by side so point one christian leadership is a radical call to choose to suffer for the cause of christ bonhoeffer he had this famous quote it said when a man when christ calls a man he bids him come and die this is really it's fairly appealing sort of attractional approach to the sharing the gospel you know why become a christian because because jesus wants you to come and die um cam you're about to become an elder you know I don't know if we've told you that Christ bid you come and die <laughs> to yourself. If that's what it takes, if that's what it takes. <laughs> you die to self. You die to your own choices. You die. You die to you know. But in in giving your life, you find your life. It's a tough PD. Christian leadership is a call to uh, suffer. It's also a call to serve. Paul identifies himself as a servant, that his calling is to serve the church by the commission of God. Paul could have described himself as the great apostle because he was a great apostle, a great leader, a great church planning guru, but the term that he uses to describe himself so often is Paul a servant of Christ Jesus and so important for Christian leaders especially. Uh, Christian leaders sometimes can get put on a pedestal and elevated And uh, you see this particularly in really big churches and things like that. And there is a great risk that they stop seeing themselves as a servant, but as someone to be served. But whatever your position or stage or situation in life, remember that Christ calls us to be servants, calls us to serve. And the step into leadership is is a step into service. Jesus is called to serve so that he can present the word of God in its fullness. And I reckon that is a fantastic job description for a Christian leader to present the word of God in its fullness. So Paul sees himself as a servant and the final thing is um, to to suffer and to serve and the final one is to struggle. Uh, The word that, that appears a couple of times is to contend. And so contending is is again this idea of actually stepping forward. Contending is when Braveheart sees the battlefield and doesn't run away but says, no, no, I'm going to go and pick a fight. I'm going to go and pick a fight. It's when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi sees that Darth Vader's on the other side of that ramp and there's nothing below them and he walks forward towards that and says, no, I'm going to take on this guy. Or it's like when Luke Skywalker's on the, the ramp with nothing uh, you know, below it and he says, I'm going to walk towards Darth Vader and pick a fight. Or it's when Han Solo's on that same ramp (laughs) with Darth Vader's son, who's his, no, hold on, his own son, I don't know. Anyway, it always seems to be that same place. They just rock up, have the same battle. If anyone's noticed, it's exactly the same. And the good guy always wins. Um, Anyway, so let me say this. Um, uh, I've lost my place now. Um, Bonhoeffer, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So, so we, it's, a, it's a contending. And so you've got to then ask the question, this series is called Learning Grace and it's about learning to live in grace. And again, it's like, well, isn't grace meant to be this beautiful thing of just like living in grace? It's meant to be easy. And, and I think Bonhoeffer's got a fantastic quote about this because Bonhoeffer's, one of his big concepts was this idea of cheap grace and costly grace. And he says this, he said, cheap grace Is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. He was looking at the German Lutheran church in the 1930s and 20s and 40s, and he was seeing that every single child in that nation was being baptized but none of them were being taught to really follow Jesus and that there was a cost to pay. He was saying in a couple of generations you're going to get left with religion but actually no followers of Jesus in Western Europe. That's exactly what we're seeing. In contrast, he said this, in contrast to costly grace, in contrast to cheap grace, costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It's costly because it compels a man or woman to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. It's grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that really leads us into the last little part of this. There's a verse here that we've got to to hear and see. Otherwise, we totally miss this message. And that is from uh, chapter 1... I'm trying to find it yeah verse 29 he says this starting verse 20 he says he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in christ to this end i strenuously contend with all the energy that i have no he doesn't say that he says with all the energy christ so powerfully works in me so here's the deal it's not all about saying, here I am, I've got to be strong, I've got to do this, I've got to step forward and I've got to do it and I've got to be strong and I've got to muster up all the energy and I've got to be able to do it all with my own strength because as soon as you do that, you've missed it. We actually serve and struggle and suffer and experience the joys and the struggles and the highs and the lows and the whole of the Christian journey by the power of Christ at work in us, by the spirit of empowering us Um, this is the great mystery that's revealed to us christ in us the hope of glory the power of the spirit revealed to us so the battle is not ours but the lord's and we need to fight the battle in his strength not ours in isaiah chapter 40 it says this and i'll finish with this he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless Even youths will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So here's the deal. Suffer, struggle, serve. The radical call of Christian leaders or the normal Christian life i think this is the life we're all called to and we're leaders not just in the church but people are leaders in their homes people are leaders in their families people are leaders in their workplace people are leaders in all range of ministries and different things that people are a part of and some of you right now i'm sure would be struggling in the area of your leadership for some of you you're trying to raise kids and it is extremely difficult and stressful for some of you, you're trying to support grandkids or your children who have got adult children and that is extremely difficult and challenging. Some of you are leading ministry areas and it's proving to be really hard. And sometimes someone will be like, I'm doing this ministry area and it's just like really, really difficult and it's hard work and things aren't going to plan and, and it's almost like it's that's not how it's meant to be. And I'm like, well, actually that kind of is how it's meant to be because ministry is going to be a struggle at times. It's not all meant to be Uh, Easy. I don't know where you're struggling, but I do know this Christ's power, Christ's presence, Christ's grace is for you. He meets you in the struggle, in the suffering, and in the serving, and He strengthens you. So I want to pray as we finish, I'll ask the band to come up, that you would know the presence and the power and the strengthening of God in whatever struggle, in whatever service in whatever suffering you are currently experiencing. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to pray for every person in this church right now who identifies closely with those three words. Suffering because you are suffering for whatever reason. Serving because you're serving and you're finding it really hard work. Struggling because there's a struggle in your life that you're dealing with on a daily basis. And Lord, I know that um, for, for people in that situation, there's times when we just get to the point where it's like, I'm not sure how much more I can deal with. And so Lord, I want to pray that you'll come alongside people, that they will know this wonderful mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And they'll know this wonderful grace that you're, power and your presence is with us and available to us that you'll come in and you'll strengthen people this morning you'll give them refreshed vision and hope that we might even soar like the eagle as you uh, lift us up in jesus name amen thanks you've been listening to a sermon from hills baptist church to find out more or to hear other great content find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app